Welcome to another episode of Hangovers and Hand Grenades. I'm your host, Nick Bono, and today, Justin fucked up his computer, so he's unable to join me, but... Needless to say, we have other people in the reins waiting to jump on this podcast as we are ever so popular. So for today, my sub-in for Justin is going to be my wonderful girlfriend. Hello. Marissa. So let's get today's party started. We're going to be talking a lot about the millennial culture and what better way to talk about millennials than having millennials on the podcast. Well, man, ugh, I never get sick of hearing that intro, man. Uh, so to kind of fill everybody in real quick, I just want to do a quick rundown of uh, what happened last week. Um, we were going to air an episode, and it wound up just being utter trash. So if you were watching us on Facebook, um, you realize that we never released an episode. We never put out a live show. Um, all of this because our lives are just so... Uh, enveloped in our work that unfortunately we just didn't have the time to put any of this stuff together so uh, that being said the episode that we were going to air went in the trash bin Uh, not literally though we do still have the audio from it we're going to save that audio for maybe down the line release it as a b-side but that all being said uh, you know we're going to try and salvage today's episode regardless of Justin's you know crazy efforts to destroy this podcast single-handedly after one episode (laughs) I'm I'm impressed by his ongoing efforts to continue to just put nails in the coffin, even though I keep punching my way out of it. So that being said, uh, Marissa so graciously volunteered to be on the podcast after I came bursting into the living room while she was playing Call of Duty and said, can you help me? And my response was, I'm busy right now after this round. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was exactly that. You were like, uh, I have a couple minutes left in this match. I guess I could join. <laughs> there wasn't even a timer yet, so I was still pretty into the beginning of the match. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody kind of knows what I've been doing during quarantine, uh, which is next to nothing. But Marissa, how's your quarantine been? Why don't you give us a quick update about yourself on, on the, uh, up- the status of your quarantine life? Um, well, uh, my job is considered essential, so I've been working you know, seven days, uh, seven, six to seven days a week, and coming home and playing video games and crashing hard of exhaustion, <laughs> because such a hard life. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously, these days it has turned into such a chore to just, you know, be out and about, because we're so used to sitting around at this point. Uh, but very much looking forward to getting off this quarantine, I'd say. Wouldn't you? Oh my god, I want some frozen yogurt and some sushi and Chinese food so bad. Not saying the Chinese food you made the other day was bad, but like, come on, let's be real. I want some dumplings The real, here. yeah, the real deal. Definitely <laughs> like homemade's nice and all, but Italians trying to cook that kind of stuff nope. just doesn't, doesn't mix. It's like you, it, you get an A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, neat. Uh, you know, I'm glad that the, you haven't gone into complete psychosis yet. Not yet. Um, but some of us have, uh, I would say that, you know, myself, I've been kind of going in an endless loop of just like where you would think the walls are closing in on themselves is now becoming more and more of a reality for me, at least that I just can't seem to escape this, uh, never ending, just, I don't know what day it is kind oh, of feeling. Believe me at work, people ask what day is it? I'm like, hold on. I have to check for you and I will get back to you in just a second. <laughs> Now, have you noticed a shift in people's mood at your job, would you say, like since the quarantine started to now? I mean, are you talking about coworkers or or clients? No, I'm talking about coworkers to start okay. with. Because clients, you never could get a read on them. They don't come around often enough to, to measure their temperature. Because they're, they're wild cards. They're yes. complete wild cards. You can have good ones. And then yesterday, this one. there's always that one. But uh, coworker-wise, we actually talked about it at our staff meeting, like trying to keep positive and how we've all been taking our stress out on each other and it's 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 a lot because people are just literally breaking down in the middle of a shift and I just want to yell at them to stop because I'm stressed and they're gonna make me have a mental breakdown because of stress just it's a lot of stress (laughs) everyone's stress is maximized 
from whatever issues they had before the quarantine, and it just kind of was, like, dropped on them like a brick of all more issues that they need to worry about. Well, there's one thing that we don't need to worry about. I don't know how closely you've been watching some of these uh, Facebook articles or news feeds about other things that have been impacted by the virus, but uh, one of the craziest things that uh, came up in the news recently is that the oil market has completely crashed. Well, because no one's driving. Exactly. And they're actually. Gas prices are great. <laughs> gas prices have gone down quite significantly. I saw it down to 209 in my area here. Um, it's 215 closer to my job. Oh, okay. Around, still like around 215, depending on where you go. 209 is about the cheapest I've seen it here. And we're in upstate New York uh, in the capital region. So, uh, yeah. you know, it, obviously uh, gas prices fluctuate from county to county if oh, you will definitely. um but what's crazy is is that oil prices actually for the first time in u.s history went negative like <laughs> the the cost of a barrel was like i think at one point negative ten dollars a barrel like sign me up <laughs> yeah right so i came up with this crazy idea that i figured i'll buy an oil rig with my free oil so like <laughs> they'll pretty much just give me like a gift set of oil cans to start with Wrapping and then them. i'll start mining it out as i you know am gifted free oil might as well at this point how uh, they, I mean, I got my stimulus check, so I'm able to spend it on that, I would think. Hey, right? negative $10, you can keep that $1,200. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's other ways that I could spend that money. I mean, similar to Justin. Saving. <laughs> no, savings for for dumb people. Saving is no fun. You know, if, if anything, I would be more like Justin. I mean, gr- granted, buying an oil rig would be sweet and all, but I don't really believe in the oil industry at the end of the day. But Justin went out and bought a four-wheeler. That's... Oh, I remember seeing the picture. Yeah. 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 He bought it as a gift for his son and Air, uh, for his himself. son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his for himself, son. his son. Um, but he's been riding that around. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool because um, it's it. You've never been to his house, Marissa. Yeah, we have. Oh, you have. Been? Remember when we went out for there for the wedding? Did you go over there? We stayed at his house. Oh, that's right. We did. <laughs> I I'm glad you remember I came along with you that weekend. I mean, we were hammered most of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But at least, come on. Who do you think was sleeping next to you? Yeah. No, I forgot about that. Yeah, that we did stay there. Be because you left you. the candle lit for the entire day that we went out to the wedding. I and didn't do it. Justin left the candle <laughs> And the lit. whole room smelled of that candle It scent. was delicious, but it was very overwhelming. Because someone, we also had, wait, was the door open or closed? I think it was closed. I think we closed the door, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we could have, well, he could have burnt his own house down, but we just kind of encouraged it, I guess. No big deal. It's, it's not fine. a problem. It's fine. It's still standing. I'm sure it's he fine. has homeowner's insurance. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope he now has it. <laughs> well, either way, it sounds like he spent, uh, and he got a good deal, I guess, on this, this four-wheeler. He bought it brand new off the lot from Polaris. It's like an ATV. It's not exactly like the sports models that are jacked up on the suspension. It's more of an all-terrain vehicle. Hmm. But he took that thing out for a spin, I guess, and uh, unfortunately, he's not here to speak to it but got it stuck um in some water and actually had to winch it out (laughs) that's i feel like that happens with all first not really first time drivers but like inexperienced (laughs) drivers you're gonna either dump it or get it stuck somewhere (laughs) now kind of speaking to this a little bit you and i have very different uh outlooks on where we'll eventually live yes (laughs) you you prefer the more country setting uh super country i don't want things like 20 minutes away i mean not 20 minutes away but like half an hour away you know i don't want to go to the nearest stewart's or gas station that's 30 minutes <laughs> i liked being able to like okay i have like 0.4 miles left on my car to get to the gas station <laughs> i mean i'm more of a i want to live in the heart of a city and you know i could give or take you know these power vehicles that people buy when you do live out in these country settings um but it seems like it would be really cool. I hope that he lets us ride it when we get down there. But with the, the cra- I will dump it. I will tell you. I will dump it. Don't ask me how, but I will. <laughs> it will not come back in good condition. <laughs> that, that thing is stronger than I am. <laughs> but very much so, yes. You're, you're 100 pounds soaking wet. That thing's like 1,000 pounds. <laughs> I mean, if I can handle a snowmobile, I think I'd be okay. Oh. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, like, that's something that you've done, though. You've ridden snowmobiles and, and all these power vehicles. The, the most I've ever ridden in my life is, like, a dirt bike, like, three times. 
So I don't have much experience with this. So like with him having like all this land behind his house, he has the opportunity to really ride that four wheeler for like a good while. He's got trails everywhere, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my friend, one of my friends, they live in a suburbia area, but have enough plot of land where they can actually have the snowmobiles. Right. So, I mean, like the other aspect is that I don't know if you were part of the conversation when we were there visiting him, but that whole he has a huge amount of land behind his house. I don't know if you saw that; it might have been dark out. But Dude, there's yeah. this this very large plot of land behind him that has now all been sold, and is actually going to turn into a solar farm. Oh, so that's what he gets to look at every time he looks in his backyard. And there was this huge petition by all the people that own houses in that general area that are saying like, "We don't want these solar panels. Yeah, they're ugly looking." Like they're not, Are they? They're not appealing to look at. I see the people that have it on their houses, and I'm like, that looks, your house was nice, and now it looks kind of dumb. Even though you're being energy efficient, it just looks kind of dumb. I don't know. I mean, like, for me, I, it really wouldn't bother me uh, to, to have those solar panels in my backyard, if you ask me. I mean, like, granted, they're not the prettiest things to look at, but they said they're going to be planting rows of um, sort of like bushes or something okay, to kind of cover that, it yeah. up. If they're you know doing I mean? that, at least they're going to make some kind of effort. Yeah, I mean, to be they, like, okay, you don't have to look at it. Here's some trees. Unfortunately, there's only so much land that people can use these days to yeah. put in more energy efficient or green energy, uh, you know, generating resources, if you will. So like solar panels, th- there's not enough land out there that's zoned for that kind of thing or would yeah. be effective for it. So unfortunately. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to bite that bullet, but I'm sure Justin has some, uh, things that he can weigh in on that if he wants to cut in here during the, the post <laughs> cuts of this whole thing. So, um, but I just thought that was kind of interesting that he bought an ATV and is about to lose a ton of the land that he was going to ride on. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. It sucks, dude. So yeah, it is what it is. So that's kind of our little quarantine update here. Um, so we're going crazy. <laughs> we're going a little, little crazy, but no worse for wear. I mean, the the ban's gonna be lifted here soon, hopefully. Uh, on the you know non-essential businesses uh, allowed to reopen. Um, we're so. we're slated for May May seventeenth, fifteenth, May fifteenth. But it's gonna be like Uno, and they're gonna pull out those plus four weeks cards. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I just love those memes. <laughs> it's like because that's our reality right now. <laughs> for sure. I mean, like, there's always that opportunity that we're gonna be, uh, you know, put out for another couple weeks on this whole thing if we don't do it right. So, uh, hopefully, hope, people listen. I just hope like the local places can open up, but still like do the takeout delivery kind of thing. They don't have to open up to people incoming inside. You know, right? I right. want my sushi <laughs> and my favorite restaurant that is two minutes down the road. <laughs> but do you think that these uh, these states that are opening up? Uh, either too early if you will or the states that are actually having protests about the stay at home oh order are going to screw it up for everybody else or do you think that it's going to be um something that you know is just going to be in those areas are going to be shut down for longer and that other ones that are still obeying and not protesting are going to open up sooner because florida i think is on the path to open up they already and I think georgia's opening already up. opened up their beaches right florida opened up their beaches georgia's on the path to open up as well again so we're starting to see some of the states, but in what? Michigan, I think it is. Michigan, they're just. They is it Michigan are, or Massachusetts that's protesting right now? Michigan, but we also have some people in the capital region that are doing it and going. Oh, down really? The, oh, you didn't see the post? The, um, uh, whatever our news station is here, because, you know, I watch TV often. <laughs> um, they were. There's protesters in the capital region. They went down to the Capitol building and were protesting about it, like, oh, like the same thing that everyone around the country is. I need a haircut, blah, 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 whatever. It's just, like, your haircut's not essential. You have scissors at home. Learn how to do it. You're not going to see anybody for another month, probably. It will grow back. See, that's the part that blows my mind, is that people are so concerned about their looks during this quarantine that they put themselves in danger to have those minimal luxuries back. Yeah, it's, you're fine. You're fine without, I've gone without a haircut for a while, and, I really need a haircut, but you know what? I'm not out there protesting saying, I need a haircut. I'm just saying I really need one, and I can't wait for it to be able to go get one. So, I mean, so let me ask this question of you then. Um, what what do you think really brought people into a state of what we are now known as the snowflake uh, generation, if you will? 
the yeah, what, what, what made us so sensitive to these <laughs> these conveniences that we now uh, are lacking that put we we are literally willing to risk ourselves to go out there because we feel that we deserve to have our hair cut despite there being a pandemic honestly the people that i've been seeing protesting and like pictures and on the news they're all the older generation like they're grown-ass men and women who are in their late probably in their 50s maybe like mid to late 40s and they're out there doing it i have i just the older generations that i'm seeing doing this and everyone else is like kind of hanging out at home like what the fuck you doing bro so i mean we're both considered millennials Yes, I'm on the very end cusp of it. Yes, but yes. you are. So you're on the younger scale of the, the millennial, we'll say the Tide Pod generation. I am, no, we, no, we said no, you give us a bad name. We are not trapped with those crazy fucking people. It's so funny that, you know, we, as millennials, almost separate ourselves amongst our generation. There's oh, like, we do. There's like almost layers of, of sandstone, if you will. There's that the we, elder millennials, the baby millennials and then the ones that we try to get rid of the gen z's like go away you're not a millennial yeah because like justin's actually considered on the cusp of the millennial uh but he's on the older scale the elder millennial. Millennial yeah the side. elder millennials that we and i mean like i'm somewhere in between but i don't view myself as a millennial in the truest sense of the word of what people have now created a stigma around yep so the biggest question is is that you being on the tail end of the millennials, um, how do you feel about the workforce these days and how millennials have impacted it versus um, the older generation that's now moving out and retiring and all this stuff? And you work in a very small vet office. Yeah. And so you are in close contact with, I'm guessing, the vets are a little bit older, right? Uh, obviously, we have like six – five of the six vets are – not millennials. Mm. There's one millennial vet. <laughs> so it's weird because all, all of my coworkers, like I, who are assistants anyway, and some of the techs were all considered millennials. And just by the looks, like the way they look is different and how it would not be, you know, considered, I don't know, workforce attire. Like their hair, they have hair dye, they have piercings, they have tattoos, and we are allowed to show that and express it. I mean, mm. obviously, if it's nothing inappropriate, right? But like, it's weird being in a job that's like considered where you're supposed to be a little bit more professional, right? That you're allowed to have all of this. I mean, I know even just in hospitals, like human hospitals, like they're allowing nurses to show their tattoos and have piercings, but like not as so freely i think that that's one of the things that now that the millennials are about making up about 20 percent of the workforce these days uh, that we're seeing these kind of shifts because i could always remember when i was growing up my parents would always tell me like never get a tattoo in certain spots because they're job killers yep. so you don't get a tattoo on your hands you don't get a tattoo on your neck you don't or get a tattoo face. on your face um anything above the collar line and anything below the wrist line are mm -hmm. essentially job killers so I have a job killer tattoo by by definition because it goes past my my wrist cuff mm -hmm. uh, and it's very easily seen. So, but I mean, these days I, I look at my hands and I want to get I'm I've got full sleeves. I've got my chest done. I've got tons of tattoos. I'm covered, um, but I don't have my hands done in fear that's something that I want. I want my hands tattooed really badly because I like the look of it. But it's because of the fear that I don't know where my career is going to go. Like yeah. right now I work a career where I could technically have my hands tattooed, but I don't know what that is going to impact me in the long run. Mm -hmm. So you have minimal tattoos. Yeah. Quite literally you have how many? Like I only two? have a couple right now. Yeah. So <laughs> are you looking you to quarantine. get more? <laughs> yeah. Thanks to the quarantine, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, ultimately, would you? how do you view the whole job killer tattoos as far as like, do you think you're seeing more acceptance in the workplace as far as job killer tattoos? Have we moved away from that? Or do you think it's still a, th a prevalent issue? I think it's still kind of taboo a little bit. I mean, I do work with a girl who has her neck tattooed on both sides. And I think she has, nope, just on both sides. And she has her hands tattooed. But I think it's still a little bit considered taboo in general, just in a general sense. Again, like you said, like the fear of the, where your career is. Cause like, you never know where you're going to end up. Who's going to be interviewing you. 
and what kind of professionalism you're going to need to take. Like, in a lawyer's office, I don't think they'll have hire someone who has hand tattoos. Right. I mean, there's even though, like, even though millennials are going to eventually take up about 30% or more of the workforce eventually, just because of the natural, yeah. you know, movement of us getting older and entering the workforce and the people behind us, you know, kind of coming in as well, and the ones before us are moving out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that even though we'll see more millennials in the workforce and we have more of a, we'll say, a relaxed, we we grew up with tattoos, we grew up with the internet, we grew up with cell phones, we Mm -hmm. grew up with all this stuff, um, which has opened up the opportunity for us to... not as stigmatized. Right. We don't look at it in the sense of like, if you have tattoos, you're a a heathen or a thug. Or been in the Navy or Army or military in general. Right. That's basically what they were for, like military or prison. (laughs) Exactly. Now it's just because you want to express yourself and you found something cool on the internet that you liked and you wanted on your body. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's very true. Some of mine are just random Facebook posts that I saw and I liked it. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, the thing is, is that even though we'll have that that mentality more prevalent in the workforce, I think we'll still have some of the people that were raised by the older generation. Like, my parents are in their 70s, um, 60s and 70s, and... You know, it, my mom was very artistic and open about, you know, creativity and, and mm-hmm. expressing yourself. And my dad was very rigid. And like, if you get a tattoo, you're never going to get a job. Yep. Um, but I think that some of the millennials that are in the workforce are going to keep that kind of mentality in the overall workforce. You yeah. know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see, like, if eventually maybe lawyers will have hand maybe. tattoos. I mean. I was just thinking, like, maybe there's all there's also going to be those millennials that are, like, in that mindset of, like, you can't get this job because you have tattoos. So there, like, there's still going to be those that, and I don't know how percentage of that would be, but you know what I mean. Like, not everyone's going to be as relaxed, but I do agree that, like, we're going to see more people with tattoos in different jobs. So now here's the other thing is that while we might see more people with tattoos – uh, getting jobs. I'm wondering if we're going to see less people getting like college degrees these days, or if we're going to see more people. Now you did go to college. You have a four year degree. I do. You have a bachelor's in communications. Bachelor of the arts. Bachelor of the That's arts. That's basically what a communications was considered under. And you um, worked in uh, your field for a little bit that you yep. actually got your degree in. Yep. Um, professionally for about a couple years, but overall for eight years. Yeah. It's almost 10 years. <laughs> and you, you interned uh, at various radio stations and then were actually an on-air host mm-hmm. um, for a period of time. Uh, but now you've found yourself in a different uh, setting that you never went to school for. Yeah. It's, I was really surprised that I was even considered for the job. Do you know anybody else that has wound up? I know tons of people that went off to become teachers and such, and they're not teaching. They became plumbers or engineers or hairstylists. You yeah. Know. Um, one of my friends, actually, she was teaching downstate, and she found out this is not what I want to do. So she actually uh, quit her job, and now she's going to go to school to become like an event planner kind of thing. Which is pretty cool because that's what she's always wanted to do and like on her free time. But now that she realized she doesn't want to do teaching, she can actually take this opportunity and do something she really always wanted to do. So to kind of like put it out there to kind of give people a little bit of an, uh, you know, a little bit of a background here. About one in ten have a university degree uh, for our grandparents, and for boomers, it's about one in five. For Gen X, it's one in four. For millennials, it's actually one in three wow. have a, a higher education as far as you know going on to college and graduating. So it's interesting that there was a big push. I remember when I was in high school, coming out of high school, my parents pushed for me to go to college mm-hmm. really hard. They're like, you need to go to college and get a college degree. Otherwise, you're never going to make enough money. Well, it's kind of like a lot of the jobs now are asking at least for a minimum of some kind of degree in order to even just do some kind of starter job. Which that is very true. anyone can do without a degree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lucked out. I, I mean, lucked out is a word. I definitely feel like there's times where if I go back to school for to look at, you know, getting a degree, and I've pondered the thought of going back, but this is not my type of environment. I don't like the classroom environment. I like being in like more yep. of a trade setting where I, yep. if I can be hands-on with it, I feel like I gain more knowledge and experience over the person that goes into the school setting and comes out is just a, 
a general. You learn more hands-on than you do actually getting the degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I can tell you hands firsthand here. I mean, so could you. So what is, I mean, why is it that we're, are we seeing a decline in college education because of that or because of. It's too expensive. It is terribly expensive. I feel like that's also a really big factor in it because people who can't get scholarships or apply for financial aid. What are they? What they can they? What can they do? Well, I mean, there's so many opportunities because even now we see that the millennials and I keep going back that it and I apologize, but the thing is, is that we have YouTube, Twitch, yep. game streaming, oh, all yeah. these content creator creators out there that are making enough to to buy a house and sell their merch and go on tour. And um, not have to because that well that's not not say full time job because that is their full time job it becomes their full time job yeah I mean there's professional streamer Ninja I think is his name yep. who gets million dollar contracts to stream a game for three months yeah just, just to as, have them on their platform because I know how I forget how much Mixer played paid paid to have him on I think it was. Uh, a couple million dollars just to get them to switch over yeah. from Twitch to Mixer. But these content influencers are just nuts. Oh my but God, it's ridiculous. the younger generations are seeing this. And they want to do that instead. They look at they look at mom and dad who worked their ass off to get them where they are. And they just go, I never want to work that hard. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to sit around and play video games like my hero ninja does. You know, I want to play yeah. Fortnite. Um, and that's not to say I can't throw that out as a blanket statement for everyone. There's definitely some people who are raised in a certain way that that they look at that and they're like, I couldn't sit around. Like me personally, yeah. I would never be able some to sit around. Some people have the work ethic and some people don't. I mean, even this podcast and doing the D&D and everything like that, that's more work on top of my normal job, which is a ton of work. But I, that's what I enjoy is, is staying busy. You yeah. know, um, I can't sit and play a video game for more than a couple hours if without you, becoming bored. If your job was considered an unessential business, I'm pretty sure you would have gone insane. You would have done something stupidly crazy. <laughs> and I don't know what it would be, but I would come home from work and I don't know what would be just wrong, but there would be something wrong because you would have done something stupid. Uh, so another another big thing that we're kind of seeing and it kind of ties back into the quarantine even but um you know we're seeing more millennials actually becoming uh, a larger part of the uh, spending that's happening in america at this point online <laughs> again we grew up with an internet culture amazon yep. was in our lifetime ebay was in our lifetime um we are more of online shoppers and the brick and mortar stores have subsequently started to disappear because yep. of it. And a lot of them are forced to go online because no one's going to go into the store and actually try on the clothes or buy the furniture. They're just going to be like, oh, I like this. Click send to my house. So what is it that is so appealing do you feel about online shopping versus going to the mall? Because I like going to the mall. I like going to the mall and walk around and either window shop or spend an absorbent amount of money that I shouldn't be spending. <laughs> I guess that is how you shop at the mall. Yes. <laughs> That's how you do. Um, well, I mean, it's if you need something, I mean, again, depending, I mean, aside from this quarantine with the shipping delays, but like it, you can get something you want immediately. Like a 24 hour shipping is a thing, <laughs> which, you know, impacts the people who are actually putting everything together for you. But it's just comfort of your own home i guess is a thing <laughs> you know just kind of like you're able to even just peruse online and you don't feel awkward walking into the store and leaving with nothing <laughs> i mean like i guess i never felt that way i've i mean i will admit that i've become so accustomed to amazon's prime's two-day shipping that these delays have actually made me more upset and <laughs> not want to buy anything online because I don't want to wait that yeah. long for certain things. So I had to buy new headphones because I ripped my headphones out of my PC and ruined my USB cord. Um, so I bought wireless headphones, but I was looking at them on Amazon first and I'm like, they're not even in stock until April something. And then when they did come into stock, I didn't buy them because I, they wouldn't have come in until May, late yeah. May. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I might as well just go to a store and see if I can find them. So I went to Walmart and I actually wound up getting the same pair of headphones that I wanted cheaper huh. and it was the last pair in stock but i it's not the color i wanted but when it comes down to that i mean i'd rather take the convenience of having what i wanted right then and there than waiting 
a couple yeah. weeks to get a pair of headphones when we're doing a podcast like this and like other things that I require headphones for. So I mean, it's nice around Christmas time because that's when everyone's out. Oh, for sure. And nothing is going to be on the store shelves, but they might have it in stock in their warehouse somewhere. And also finding the time just to go out because work always gets weirdly super crazy around Christmas time. It's like a surge of everything. No matter what you do, there's a surge of just stress about the holiday because people are nuts. And also the weather doesn't help because upstate New York is shit. And it, I like it around Christmas because it just it saves time having to drive out to the mall, not find what I wanted to get someone, and I could just have it shipped here. And, of course, obviously there would be delays because holidays, but at least you know it's on its way, hopefully in time for the holiday. <laughs> right. And, I mean, like, to kind of bring this full circle, I mean, like, again, it's a sense of entitlement. Why yep. should I have to wait for my package to get here? Or why should I have to wait for other people? Um, you know, why is it waiting? We're not good with waiting. We're not a very patient generation. Very, well, because, again, you said the Internet. Everything's instant. Yeah, I mean, we're even at the point where delivery services have become so abundant that we're able to get our food in a more timely manner. Like if something's going to take when I'm shopping for like food to order on on DoorDash or Grubhub, who are not sponsors yet. But maybe if they want to throw us a couple bucks for saying their names on here, that'd be great. I want to buy food off of those places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I will literally make a decision sometimes. I will steer away from even when I'm traveling for work, I will steer away from the the businesses that are going to take too long to like if they take like an hour to deliver versus a 20 minute delivery i'm going to take the 20 minute delivery like so i mean like and the biggest question is where does that sense of entitlement come from other do you think it is the internet or do you think um you know our parents might have had some sort of handle in making us feel like we deserve a certain level of uh response i guess yeah that is that is a good question. I mean, I'm guilty of ordering from a restaurant that I could have easily have uh, walked less than a block from. <laughs> less than a half a block. It was right around the corner from my house. And I still ordered from them, and I obviously took the time because I needed to make it, but whatever. So, I mean, like, you and I are various degrees. Like, I'll walk to a place. I don't mind walking around. In my defense, it was dead of winter, (laughs) and I did not want to go outside and dig my car out. (laughs) I think that we have various degrees of how much convenience we truly want. Like, I'll go and walk a couple blocks to get some food from somewhere. That's not a problem for me. I'll walk that extra distance in a parking lot. You know, I don't have the problem parking farther away. Like, I don't see a problem with that. But you... And to me, seem like if we can't get the closest parking spot or if it's literally a couple blocks away to walk to it, you'd rather try to find something else or um, you would search the parking lot for a closer parking space. Like even here where we live, if you can't park close to the door, you get upset. Well, I have to get up very early for work and it's very cold in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I like to be able to get to my car as quick as possible. But if I'm at the far end of the parking lot i'm freezing my, i mean of course obviously it's no problem but i'm freezing my ass off and i'm like this is miserable this is how i'm starting my day <laughs> so then that's exactly what i'm trying to get at is that where did this sense of like i don't want to be cold walking 30 more feet it's in it versus like whatever i'll park at the like for me it's like okay i'll park on the other end of the freaking place and walk over there if i have to that's not a problem for me what what made you feel that you should be able to park as close as possible for a matter of convenience for yourself i mean i know everyone's doing the same thing they park close so they can be convenient for them so i'm not i'm no different than everyone else i'm I'm, you just (laughs) happen to be in the same room as me so i'm going to ask you the question (laughs) <laughs> I don't unfortunately I can't ask all my neighbors what makes them want to park closer or if they really had to come down to it you know park in a different spot would they I mean they make up their own parking spaces <laughs> but, but again the question is why do you feel the sense of entitlement that you actually get upset if you're not able to park close probably from my mother do <laughs> you think it's from so you think it's a parent oh probably thing? probably I don't know then or for my own selfish reasons uh, yes, I'm selfish. I know, but you know we're all a little bit selfish in some way. I mean that can that can directly relate to how you were raised or yep. you know events that happened in your life. Only I mean, child. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely only child syndrome. <laughs> um, but again, I'm an only child. 
and we're we're drastically different. Like I would not say that I'm oh, as selfish as you. Oh, my parents babied me. Like I will be. Like I know I'm an asshole because my parents babied me. I was my dad's youngest mm-hmm. and the only one that lived, only youngest daddy's that lived in the girl. house. I was, da- I'm daddy's princess. Yep. <laughs> and my mother's only. So it's kind of like the two worst combined ideals of that. Yeah. Mixed into one me. And I mean, like, the thing is, is that you also grew up in a household that you had both parents still. Yep. Whereas I grew up in a broken home that my parents didn't get divorced until way past when they should have. Like, yeah way past when they should have and i think that had witnessed arguments that you shouldn't have but (laughs) i mean and it was just the overall tone of my parents being complete polar opposite personalities again my mom being very artistic and out there um but also demanding that you know things be done on a schedule and my dad being more relaxed in his scheduling working two jobs and strict on his uh you know how his son's outward appearance is towards the public. Yeah. You know what I mean? My dad never could speak in anything other than sarcasm. So we have very, we have a very unique language that we speak to each other. I've witnessed this in person and it's very weird. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know how I feel about it. I have a lot. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings and I don't know what they are, but there's feelings. (laughs) So, but I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm 10 years older than I truly am. I'm only 32, but I act as if I'm 40 or 50 sometimes. Yeah, you do. (laughs) But that's purely because I feel like I was forced to grow up much quicker and fend for myself. So for me, I had to start paying my cell phone bill very early on. I had to pay for my own car insurance very early on. Like before I was 20, I was paying for half my bills. Mm -hmm. So I had to get a job, work as a dishwasher. My first job was a dishwasher at a country club. My dad got me in um, and I worked that for a year. Uh, before I went into retail, but um, I started working at a very young age. Like I started 15 years old. Like the minute I can get a worker's permit, I was out there working, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas I don't feel like you had to endure that. And I think that still, even now your parents cover some of your bills. I mean, until I turn until next year, I think is when the insurance is up, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, I didn't even have health insurance for a while because I couldn't be on my parents health insurance. Yeah. I mean, I, had the option to get a job if I wanted to. I think my my first job was at a country club as well, but I was serving and all terrible people. But um, I think I was, yeah, I was like around 15, 16 when I did that. But that was like a summer job. And that was really about it until I started interning at radio stations during the summer. So those were on and depending on what their policy was paid and unpaid. So So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the sense of entitlement and the sense of, like, we're a snowflake generation, I guess you could say, like, where we're sensitive about our feelings and sensitive about... Yes. You made a face about that one. What do you want to say about that? Because, they again, again, you know, I'm sensitive about our feelings. No, it's just the generalization of the whole generation itself is kind of just presumed we're all soft, again, soft snowflakes and all very soft and you know important and everything but we're not all like out there protesting for our feelings (laughs) i think it was just a matter of we gained we become so accustomed to a lifestyle that serves our every want and need in an instantaneous fashion and when we can't have it it's like wait what what do you mean i can't have it and this it second pushes people outside their comfort zone, but it also and that creates makes everyone generally uncomfortable. It creates a culture of, you know, we Brats. we deserve more. We deserve to have things in an instantaneous fashion because that's what we know. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, that's a story for another time. Yeah, you know, maybe we can deep dive on that. Uh, you know, in a, in a future episode, but. Um, to bring this full circle, uh, you know, Marissa, one thing I think that you neglected to say about your quarantine time uh, is that you've been playing Animal Crossing like a fiend. So <laughs> okay. before we, we depart here on this portion of the podcast, would you like to have any closing remarks on your island? I've been playing what since end of March, right, you would say? Like the last couple of days of March. Yeah, like April 27th. I only know because I caught the uh, one of the fish that was running out for the month 
the last day. But uh, uh, it's like end of March, and I only have a three-star rating. I just got that, like, yesterday. I know, my island's trash. But, um, yeah, I've been playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> what do you want to know about my island there, sir? <laughs> I don't know. If there's any Animal Crossing fans out there, it's all it's all Japanese to me. I those can't make five-star islands are ridiculous. Like, I get we're all quarant- – like, those people are quarantined and they have nothing else to do, so they play the game and put their heart – sweat blood and tears of that but oh my god find another hobby i mean i do enjoy it. it's a very relaxing game in all honesty like watching it I, I it's annoying but it's kind of at the same time to kind of put this into perspective and bring this full circle you can put your creativity into it you can put your creativity into it but it also forces you to wait which yes. makes you uncomfortable because again, it's real time. It's a real time game in an environment that people want everything now. Yes. So and the businesses open at at eight a.m. and then they close like real stores do, and it's like, but like I need I, inventory full. <laughs> need to sell. Thank you, Nook's Cranny, for having the sell box. <laughs> I mean, it's it's again just a very interesting time because this is one of the most popular games out there right now. You can't they even could find not have a released Nintendo at Switch. a better time. Like, and this, seriously, this game is it's so contradictory to what every other game is out on the market right now. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of like Viva Pinata, but you don't have to worry about your other pinatas eating each other. <laughs> 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 Which was very stressful. I still want that damn bunny. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Marissa, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and filling in for Justin, who, again, uh, unfortunately had some technical difficulties and will hopefully make it on to the ne- uh, next episode. Uh, but If not, you know where to find me. I'll be playing Call of Duty in the long term. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Marissa, is there anything that you need to promote? Do you have anything that you want to put out there on blast for your for the listeners? Don't be an asshole. We're all stressed, so don't be an asshole. Fair enough. Truer words couldn't have been spoken. Um, thank you so much, Marissa. We'll see you later, all right? Thanks for having me. I'm going to go order our pizza. <laughs> all right. So Marissa's not our only special guest today. We actually have another guest, uh, Flown in from the deepest depths of the earth, we have Matt Barry joining us today. And from In the Shadows of Giants, we're going to slap that jukebox and listen to an awesome tune. So make sure you strap in because these guys are pretty brutal.
kick-ass tune and nick i got a little surprise for you bud is it my dad no but we have our first call in oh where is he calling from um i'm not sure where he is exactly but he's can we pinpoint him on our radar uh, do we have the technology yet um we barely have the technology to have someone call in so no (laughs) but but we do have one of the band members, uh, Matt Barry, into the, to talk to us a little bit about uh, you know that that tune we just listened to and what's going on with them. So what's going on, Matt? Say hello to everybody. Hey, hello everybody. So uh, tell us tell us a little bit about uh, you know how long you guys have been been working together, um, what kind of stuff you're working on, and uh, yeah, just uh, give us a rundown. Well, I started writing music for In the Shadows of Giants about five years ago. Um, it just started with me in my bedroom playing through a, a crappy interface directly into a laptop, just writing riffs uh, by myself. Um, a few years after that, I my brother Jeff joined the band and we ended up writing two songs together while going through like 
few other bass players and guitar players. I do guitar and lead vocals for the band. Jeff does drum. Um, so we'd spent about a year and a half trying out member after member on bass and second guitar, and just nobody was really sticking to it too well. We got this guy, Tim, who I went to college with. He's an incredible guitar player. He joined and he sat around for for a jam session of the first song we had written and immediately he caught on to every chord progression. He ripped out a solo on the first time nice. he had heard that song, which was a violent calm. And that the second guitar solo you hear is Tim's solo, and that is pretty close to what he played after only hearing the song once. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. incredible. I can, that's, yeah, that's huge. I, I, I can tell you, like, that. just that, uh, that, like you said, when, when someone catches on to something right away and it just feels right. Like, I, I played for a long time. I haven't in years because I'm an old man now. But when you get together with that group of people that all of a sudden it kind of works and you're looking around the room and, and you kind of got the, the hair on your arms standing up and you're like, holy shit, we got something here. That's the best fucking feeling in the world. Yeah, I mean, like, I can totally relate. When I started my D&D group and, like, everybody just hit it off in the <laughs> roles that they were playing, I was like, oh, man, like, goosebumps on the back of my neck. I was just like... Whoa, like the cleric knows what spells to cast to make sure that the wizard this doesn't is, die. It's not the time for that, Nick. Okay, then I guess I'll backtrack. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> yeah, so we've been um, playing together for just over two years now with our current lineup. Um, we don't have a bass player anymore, but going forward, I'm going to record all the bass and we're going to backtrack it live. So it's just going to be the three of us, me, Tim, and Jeff. All right. All right. So, so you know, five years working on writing songs, two years as a band, probably looking for another bass player. What are you guys? So obviously troubling times in the kingdom, nowhere to play out. So you guys getting together, you, you doing you writing right now, um, obviously anticipating getting back out and playing in front of people and whatnot. But is that, is that what's going on? You basically sitting around writing and sending your stuff out. Yeah. We're, um, essentially we're me and Tim are just kind of hammering out writing riffs by ourselves and kind of just taking videos of ourselves jamming and sending it to the guys just to see, what they think of the ideas. Um, but we've been working on recording our full length for about two months now. Uh, when all the coronavirus quarantine happened, we were two songs away from finishing recording drums. And we were all like, okay, well, we got to put this all on hold for now because uh, Jeff and I need to drive an hour away to where Tim lives uh, to do all the production of everything. Oh. And we just thought it was not a good idea to be leaving the house and driving that far. Now, now, there was one really interesting thing while we were on the topic of recording that you were telling me earlier before we jumped into the podcast. You guys are doing this all on your own, right? You're not going to a studio. No, no, we are self-producing uh, the entire record than having to you know have jeff record all of the drums for an hour-long album in two days mm -hmm. you know in a weekend mm -hmm. we've been we were going there once a week and just hammering out one song or half a song whatever he needed to get the right takes and that's essentially that's how we're going to do it for the whole process um we actually got together again two nights ago and jammed again because we were, we were all going crazy i mean right. writing riffs by yourself is fun but we were really just itching to get together again play together and discuss ideas so um so starting soon we're going to pick back up with recording drums finishing that out and then moving on to bass from there just nice. keeping the ball rolling because we are really really eager to get this album so one thing that i want to ask real quick matt um you probably are pretty you know as for my experience of the uh, local music scene, you guys all pretty much talk to each other. What is the murmurs in the local scene right now about the 
the the back end of all this is it a positive outlook or is it more of a, a outlook of like are the venues going to open back up because they thrive off of the music scene as it is um let alone what is it going to take to get booked these days well i think there's still so much uncertainty between all the performers they're not sure when they're gonna be able to play out again and do what they love um that's one causing a lot of anxiety between a lot of us but at the same time it's really pushing us to create it's giving us a lot of pent-up energy to really inject into a song um so i think there's going to be a lot of really good songwriting happening during this time and when this is over whether it's two months from now whether it's 18 months from now i think that there's going to be a lot of really good really big local music festivals happening because there's going to be so many bands wanting to play out again and only so many venues that can support them i think there's going to be a lot of you know weekend local festivals with nine ten bands on them um as far as the future of venues i'm i'm pretty positive i'm I'm feeling good about future venues because there's been a lot of support from um, local musicians local show goers to keep them afloat in any way they can i've personally donated money to three different venues so far and any other venues that put out um feelers for donations i'm jumping at that right away because i've i'm keeping my eye on the financial effect that all this is having Mm -hmm. restaurants and and bars and clubs are really suffering but a lot of people are coming to help in any way they can you know a lot of people got stimulus check and are getting a little bit of extra unemployment money and a lot of people are being pretty selfless with that and pretty generous to give towards the scene and to be, make sure that they have a scene to come back yeah man absolutely i think like personally for like for me if I, when i was playing out regularly and stuff and it, it, nothing gave me energy like that like nothing ever felt that way um and maybe never will And if I was forced to stop, like when I was doing it all the time and I was forced to stop for this, uh, you know, extended period of time, like you said, we don't know how long it's going to be. And then one day somebody said, okay, it's back on. Bands are going to come out with so much fucking fuel, so much energy and so much more. Like, like you said, they're, they're able to stay home and be creative right now and write and really really like hone their craft and i think people are going to come out that much better i just you know i i hope the crowds come out strong i hope it's not i hope it's not scary for people i hope it comes back normal i hope it comes back fast and you know it, it sounds like you guys are using the time the way everyone should be using it and that's by getting better and writing you know and hopefully it just it just comes out and and people are that much more appreciative of the great like local music scenes that we have and you know you get that much more recognition because of it yeah i mean like justin kind of play off that real quick you know really it's crazy to think about it that and i hate to stress COVID 19 more than we already have i mean touching on it once has been already enough but it's it's insane that the impact that this has had across multiple things whether it be festivals the local music scene you know artists as a whole and employees of businesses i mean we're starting to see the real defining line of those that want to be in these pathways versus those that don't i mean like i think that the covid-19 has now forced the musicians that want to be out there and do this job and take it very seriously to um you know, really push themselves in that direction. Like you said, they're not sitting around, they're writing music. And the ones that don't, the ones that are polluting the scene that are just there for one gig and they disappear, um, you know, they're the ones that are going to drop off. It's very similar to small businesses these days. You know what I mean? The ones that want to survive will be there. And the ones that don't won't be, this is a, this is a, a, a cleansing of the dead wood. 
Yeah, but it, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the same in that aspect because, like, some people, they're just going to realize that they don't love it the way that they thought they did. And that's okay. Those are the people that are going to keep a guitar laying around and they're going to play, you know, once in a while in their living room or on their, you know, campfire in their backyard. They're going to they're going to realize either they're either they're serious about it and they're going to get better at it and they're going to, you know, they're going to write more and they're going to practice more and they're going to get better or they're going to realize, you know what? I've been <laughs> putting a lot of time and effort and money and and blood, sweat and tears into this and maybe I'm not as serious about it as I as I thought it was uh, thought I was you know but from that standpoint what is that going to have an impact on the local scene are we going to see more genuinely good dedicated bands come out of this rather than the mom and pop for lack of better words garage bands yeah no and are we going to see an improvement in the uh the local scene I think so when this isolation ends that will be when we see who's serious about playing local music and who has mm-hmm. just been sitting on their ass and, and vegging out during this whole thing. I think there's going to be a, a some sort of a disparity between people who you can tell are really into this and really about being musicians and artists and performers and those who don't who may not take it as seriously and there's absolutely nothing wrong with those who don't take it as seriously because there's so many other aspects of life that they could be pouring their life you know pouring their efforts into right now and maybe they wanted to pursue music a little stronger than they could have but life just got in the way during this whole uh uh, ordeal but i think definitely there's definitely going to be some some select group that are coming out stronger than ever and who are really going to gain some momentum from this. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Matt. Um, so I don't know, all in all, um, you know, we played that, played that one track. We look forward to hearing some more, um, really thank you for coming on and, you know, talking to us and stuff. And obviously, you know, we wish you guys the best. Hopefully you guys are all staying safe, uh, stay creative, stay determined, this shit will end very soon. And Matt, before you go, is there anything you want to plug as far as your band is concerned? Where can people find you? Is there venues that, you know, is there websites that people can visit? You can find us by searching In the Shadows of Giants on Facebook. Um, and our Instagram uh, is just at In the Shadows of Giants. Excellent. Well, I really encourage, uh, you know, everybody to check these guys out. Uh, The progressive metal scene is uh, such a wildly talented scene, uh, along with so many other musicians out there. Um, These guys put in a tremendous amount of work and uh, the work that they're doing on the back end to make sure that this dream comes true. um, I think everybody should at least give them at least a listen. Um, throw them a couple bucks when you download the track and make sure that we keep the scene alive. Um, you know, go and race 99 cents, I'm told. Uh, and Matt, when's that uh, full length supposed to drop again? We're hoping to have it out uh, this coming fall. But who knows what's going to happen because there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done with production of it. I'm sure that they can follow you on Facebook to make sure that, uh, you know, they stay up to date on all the latest and greatest in news from In Shadows of Giants. So, uh, Matt, again, like Justin said, thank you so much for joining us today. And it was a pleasure, honestly, having you on the show. And um, I hope to have other, you know, of your friends maybe join us for an episode of Hangovers and Hand Grenades to help continue spread the word of the local music scene. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's All been right, a pleasure. Enjoy. All right, everybody. We're going to get out of here. Uh, huge thanks to uh, Marissa, a.k.a. Hot Toddy. Um, I'm sure she'll be back for more of this action. Um, Nick, good job on the fly on your own there. Sorry I uh, busted my computer, folks. Um, I think I'll also be in the market for a new mic as I just knocked my mic stand over and it like, flattened the whole thing. So, Nick, I'll look for one for you as well. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Bye. All by myself. All by myself All by myself I went to your house